swamp drawer where all good produce goes to die. Dun, dun, dun. We couldn't afford it even when there weren't food shortages. We certainly can't afford it now. Recession-proof your grocery budget. Learn to grow the food your family eats without the weeds or the waste. For more information about my simple and easy container gardening course, where you will learn to save money by growing your own healthy organic fruits and vegetables, go to joyfulprepcontainergarden.com. Have you ever found yourself feeling out of control and overwhelmed with all the chaos in the world? As mothers, we're dealing with some pretty heavy stuff. Joyfully Prepared guides and reassures mothers that they can create a home of love, unity, and laughter, as well as produce an atmosphere of resourcefulness and resilience. I know a lot about a few things and a little about a lot of things. I'm your host, Wendy Bergen, and this is the Joyfully Prepared Podcast. This is the Joyfully Prepared Podcast. I'm Wendy Bergen, your host. Today, I am excited to introduce you to our guest, Brandon Bailey from Tribal Acres Farm. And um, just want to say, hi, Brandon. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing good, Wendy. Uh, good. Thank you for having me on today. Absolutely. I'm so happy to have you here. And um, I'm really excited for our listeners to hear as well. So my first question to you, Brandon, is how did you decide that you wanted to get into sustainable farming? Yeah, so this will be, I'll explain it a couple of different ways. So we've, I would say before we really got into sustainable farming, we kind of got into almost just raising stuff for ourselves. So mm-hmm. without, I think, going fully into the details of like how we got started, of course, I'm going to touch a little bit. Um, we first got a pot pig as our family. It was kind of like a time when we were, we were kind of struggling a little bit. We mm-hmm. kind of put our money together and wanted to get a pet pig just because we already lived on 50 acres and we weren't doing anything at all with it. So we wanted to, I guess, find a use for it, but even still, she was kind of living on the porch. So she was like a, a porch pig, I guess you could say <laughs> uh, more than anything. Um, because we didn't want to have her really in the house, uh, but we wanted to have her as close to the house. So we let, we thought raising her on the porch would be good. Okay. So that's where we started. And then after she got a little bit bigger, she kind of broke out of the screen, screen door oh. and was roaming around all over the yard at the time and mm-hmm. would go hang out with the neighbor's cows. And then she would oh. come back. Oh. But after a while, she would go like missing for almost a whole day at a time. And we were worried she wasn't going to come back. So mm. I took, I just found some extra stuff that we had laying around and built her a little pin and mm-hmm. put her into a pin. So I would say that was like the first um, structure and animal that kind of like sparked what we got into. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always give like credit to her for what she kind of birthed within us. Um, but after that, we got, we decided we're like, well, we kind of like raising animals and we already had dogs, but they were all inside dogs. So it doesn't count. Okay. Um, so we got some chickens and we had an old gazebo that was all grown up with weeds and stuff. So I went out there and, uh, tore it all apart and built a, our first chicken coop out of it. And we got about, I think it was around seven or 11 chickens, uh, mm-hmm. was like, what well, we got at first. 
and we were just no clue what we were doing at mm-hmm. all. Just kind of, you know, diving into a little bit of it here and there. Yep. Uh, we knew kind of the process of, you know, to have chickens and stuff, whatever. But, and once we got that, we was like, okay, now we're producing some eggs for ourselves. Um, and it's pretty cool. And we'd like the quality that, you know, is happening from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of like, I always tell people we like dived in as deep as we could with like our next purchase. And we got two emus, um, which oh. was like, they're exotic animals. So yeah. it's like, we went like head first into like, okay, what's the craziest <laughs> thing you could possibly find in the state of Florida to purchase? And that's what we did. Um, so we got two baby emus and every time we kind of started as we kept growing and buying new animals, we kind of do some research on, of course, how to be raised and what needs to be done as far as like when they're young or when they're chicks mm-hmm. and stuff like that to be taken care of correctly. Um, so we were still trying to do our due diligence, of course, in those areas because we wanted to keep the animals safe and in the best health possible. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And then from there, just kind of speed it up a little bit. We kind of just started like, um, I just was like starting to build stuff on the farm and we would buy, you know, uh, a goat or two here. And then we bought our first two cows, um, uh, which still are with us today. Um, and then which actually calved for the first time this year, which was super, that's cool. super exciting for us. Um, and then we just kind of started introducing new animals to the farm. And as we, you know, we could get money in from my brothers and sisters and everybody working their jobs and, uh, support of other people, we just kind of started building like a small sustainable farm for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was mostly just for our family at the time. And most of the animals even in the beginning were more like pets, mm. um, almost like, because we weren't, we didn't really have an end goal. We just wanted more animals as, you know, mm-hmm. and learn as we went. And so we mm-hmm. were just kind of like doing it for fun mm-hmm. at first. And then uh, we really just kind of felt that, of course, even by uh, the Lord just kind of pushed us in, it, in that direction mm-hmm. of just raising these animals. And we were like, man, let's, our first thing we got into was whole chickens. Mm-hmm. And we raised a batch of whole chickens. It was, I think it was a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. And we took some and we sold some um, to some of like our community of people we knew and uh, to some of our friends and family. And we was like, oh my gosh, um, chicken's amazing. And something I think really kind of sparked in us of like, okay, um, what is, what have we been eating? Um, what are we eating mm-hmm. and why does this taste so differently? Mm-hmm. And it kind of pushed me into, I think delving into study of, okay, who's doing farming correctly that I can look at on YouTube and mm-hmm. see why this tastes like this and why this is so different. Mm-hmm. And so I, the first person we ran into, which I, I, I give all credit to as far as like really sparking mm-hmm. regenerative, sustainable practices and farming mm-hmm. in, in our lives is Joel Salatin. Mm-hmm. So he, without a doubt, is the one who really kind of taught us away and to me is like the forefather and forerunning this back to how we should mm-hmm. be farming when we kind of, you know, decades and decades ago where we kind of took the wrong road and yeah. to another area. I think yeah. he's really brought it back in a large way and it's still, I think coming back in a greater way, but you know, he taught us all those things that we need to know. It's like, okay, I like what he's doing. Um, and it is, he's doing things the most natural possible way that's happening mm-hmm. or should be happening to our animals. And I had, of course, watched some documentaries back in the day too, about how animals are being raised commercially and stuff. And that right. also, um, 
was always still fresh in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. So even like beforehand, even before we even got into processing animals, it was, you know, I guess I've always been an animal person anyways, but to love our animals just like we would our dogs. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, they, they're just like, a lot of animals are just like dogs in a way, a sense of just like us as humans, we love to be loved on and, you know, have affection right. show toward us and all animals have emotions just like us. So we want to, you know, tend to them and care for them the same way we would, you know, another animal that we raise inside of a house or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you name it. You get what I'm saying. Yes, but I do. We wanted to, you know, be able to do that um, for animals as well. We were going to raise them and eat them. And so that's kind of how we stepped into regenerative and sustainable farming was mm-hmm. that and further discovering that with, you know, our research and seeing, you know, who is doing this, um, why are they doing it and how do we do it properly mm-hmm. and actually, you know, slowly that help us to slowly and quick at the same time, I think really start a business um, mm-hmm. out of it and, you know, being able to provide a great product for people. So I think okay. that would definitely be, you know, how we started for sure. That's fantastic. So how long have, how two, maybe two questions, how long yeah. have you been um, out? Like when you, how long have you been farming outside of the beginning parts with the porch pig and stuff? But um and uh, and I can't remember the other question. <laughs> that's that's pretty typical. <laughs> yeah. uh, I loaded my brain. So let's start there. Maybe the other question will come okay. in. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So outside of like our beginning, I would say, well, outside of when we really started selling our meat to customers, mm-hmm. um, would be almost around. All right, it'll be three years this year that we've been doing it now. Oh. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. Short time. Yeah. So we're still. You know, I would say maybe a little bit deeper and ankle deep into, you know, farming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're definitely first generational farmers, of course. I didn't say this beginning, but none, nobody in our family has farming background um, mm-hmm. in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up hunting and fishing, but that was the extent of, <laughs> had nothing to do with farming, but right. at least outdoors, you know, that's yeah. the extent of me being involved with animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't in us at all. So right. we, you know, became first generational farmers. And so we are still new to it and also still learning. And I glean from lots of people that mm-hmm. have knowledge about this, but you know, it's something that we're super passionate about. So yeah. That's awesome. So um you talk about your family. Um, it's a family business, right? Who's involved with that? Yes, ma'am. So we say there's a total of ten of us, uh, in our family in total. Um mm-hmm. Most of us, all brothers, and then my mom, my aunt, my sister, and her niece, okay. or my niece, not her niece, <laughs> her daughter, <laughs> right. my niece. Yeah, so uh, we all do it together, and okay. we're pretty much are all working from full time from the farm. Yeah. Um, so it was something that we slowly were able to do is bring everybody home from their jobs wow. um, and be able to work together, which is what we really wanted to do is work together. And even some of my family, which you know, my mom. Uh, and Aunt still works well. My mom works on free will. Um, mm-hmm. She is retired, but mm-hmm. she refuses to quit her, <laughs> her job. So That's she good. likes to work. So good for but her. she works two jobs technically full time. So yeah. wow. <laughs> wow. You know, you learned your work ethic from her. But that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. So tell me, what are the different animals that you're raising that you're um, not just your pet, the ones that you're using for, to sustain yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. 
So currently, uh, I say currently because the options that we offer will always expand, of course, mm-hmm. into a certain point, but we right. will always be adding new things. Uh, currently, we raise beef, pork, chicken, ducks, turkeys, and lambs. Okay. Um, all no hormones, no antibiotics, all grass-fed, of course. Mm-hmm. And that is what we currently raise, some in smaller batches than others, like lambs, for instance. We are really just uh, getting into actually raising and producing lambs for meat. Okay. Um, we raised sheep before uh, when we first started, um, but it was not for meat um, at all. It was just to have them. Um, so we, and we ran a breeding program out of it for a little um, while. So are you raising then all your, so you're talking about the lambs for meat. So you're mm-hmm. not, um, you're not raising them to, um, adult size to then shear them and sell their wool. Is that part of your plan at all? Um, no. So we, I, I would say in the beginning when we first started raising for breeding, we were kind of looking into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we are now doing it, we're more into only raising them in the lamb section and mm-hmm. then just using them for a meat yeah. um, as far as that goes. Um, just because it's something extra we don't want to get into and it would probably be a, an extra or separate segment, but mm-hmm. a reason why I don't feel like it's as profitable for okay. us. And mm-hmm. um, as also as far as the work to me and mm-hmm. far as like running a breeding program with sheep, um, yeah. to me can be a little more difficult and a lot more hands-on in areas that we may not need to have our hands-on in areas, mm-hmm. but actually support other local farmers that can actually supply us with our lambs. So well, and that's part of being a farmer or an, and a businessman in that you you know what your strengths are and you tap into the community for their strengths as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I always, you know, and especially like that, even sometimes with our piglets, you know, we do run a breeding program there, but there are farmers still making a living off live animal sales mm-hmm. um, and they supply to other farms. So if you, and I'm even picky about who I pick for these kinds mm-hmm. of things. But if you're following the same practices uh, that we are and raising them and Mm -hmm. I know I come and see your breeding program and how you're running it Mm -hmm. and it's something that I feel like we would do and I feel like is being ran with animals of mine. um, It's something worth partnering with if I don't need to always make sure I'm running a breeding program for sheep to provide lambs. If you if you're already doing this Mm -hmm. and selling them and you can provide me a great quality uh, not just meat lamb, but also something that you're taking care of raising correctly, right. then I'm more than happy to support you because you're supporting me at the end of the day too. So, right. That's, and that's really, I think how farming should work, right? Everybody yeah, is succeeding that way. Um, yeah. for those of so I, I found tribal acres actually through a Facebook group that I'm on here in Florida, but, and not everybody listening to the podcast is from Florida and can buy from you. But mm-hmm. I do want to say that the I bought a cow from from Tribal Acres and it's amazing. It's delicious in the freezer. <laughs> I, when I came, I told you when you came over to deliver it, I said um, the the day I bought the cow, um, I had talked to you and you were lovely, you know, interacting with me and 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 answering my questions. 
And I came out and I told my 16 year old daughter, I said, I just bought a cow. Mom, where are we going to put that? Why did you buy a cow? <laughs> she I was going to put it in the backyard. <laughs> and I, had, I told other people, they're like, you're getting a cow. I'm like, oh, no, no. I'm putting in a freezer cow. <laughs> That's hilarious. People know that I would do that, actually. So, <laughs> in fact, there was somebody on Facebook, the, the one group, and she's like, I have these two dairy cows their calves and she couldn't take care of them and she needed some place for them to go. I'm like, I asked my husband if I could have them. He's like, no, not yet. So I'm like, dang it. Oh, wow. I had my moment. I'm sure I'll have another opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so tell, I, I'd like for you to um, educate the listeners on a couple things, like how, how can they find a local a sustainable regenerative farm, first of all, um, how mm-hmm. do they um, kind of vet that farm? Because when you and I were talking again, um, there, there are some places and, and, and I'm not saying anything, I'm not trying to say anything in a nasty or negative way, but mm-hmm. you, you educated me and I had kind of put two and two together that there are some uh, we'll just talk about beef. So there's some beef places where they work with other farmers and they all kind of come in and they bring all their beef together. And then this, this kind of hub, they sell the beef out. Did that make sense? You know what I'm talking yes, about. Ma'am. Can, can you mm-hmm. say that better than me? Yeah. Um, and I, I think I can explain it to what you're trying to say as okay. well. Um, Cause they're like, to me, there's a lot of different ways as far as, cause you're like talking, searching out for actually looking for yes. somebody who is sustainably raising animals, mm-hmm. um, really raising them themselves. And also, um, I think choosing your farmer that's following the practices that you want them to follow. Like, right. let's say for instance, that they're raising their animals, of course, no hormonal antibiotics that they're raising them grass fed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, to me, even, uh, rotationally grazed and regenerative as well, especially if you're big in the regenerative practices, uh, which of course means that there's no tillage, no fertilization or any mm-hmm. chemicals whatsoever going on in our grasses so that they stay hundred percent organic, organic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and which means that we're adding to our soil and not taking away from it. Right. Um, so we're actually adding back to the earth instead of removing what is supposed to be there to actually reproduce grass correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, when you're looking for that in a farmer, cause um, there's there to me is there will always be a, to me a farmer for every Right. customer of what style you want to what kind of meat you want to pay for what kind of quality meat you want to pay for and also you know what practices you want to look for so if you're looking for those specific practices that i've i mentioned mm-hmm. to me if a farm is not promoting that mm. um that they're not promoting especially um just two sim- simple ones that to me are super die are important if you're going to buy local meat if mm-hmm. you're if the farmer you're buying from is not um either saying or proclaiming mm-hmm. um that they give their animals no hormones and antibiotics and won't truthfully give you an answer about it if you do approach them and ask them about it i would mm-hmm. say run as far away from that as you can okay only because you're not you're better off just buying from the grocery store the grocery if that's store. the case right so to me a farmer should be listing that or telling that in some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. um, that they are doing that. Right. And if they're not, I feel like there can be areas skewed just like it is when we buy meat from the grocery store, just cause we say that we're raising something 
naturally or that it's homegrown doesn't mean that it's being raised like that. Okay. Um, and if that's how that farmer wants to farm, I have nothing against that. Right. However, if you're looking for that specifically, that's what I'm saying, you know, you should definitely look for. Um, and, you know, we are strong in our belief of that. Of course, with us not doing that, we are allowing our customers to not actually receive things in their body that shouldn't be there. Right. Um, which, which causes cancer, which causes sickness, um, and all these other sorts of things, um, that is not good for our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you're looking for your farmer, make sure you're looking for the, I think keywords like that, like no hormones, like no antibiotics, are they being grass fed? Um, if you're looking for, uh, even if you're buying grass fed grain finished beef, mm-hmm. I also always, you know, caution, ask how many days that cow is being grain finished for, mm-hmm. uh, because you have a couple different ways to grain finish a cow. Uh, we grain finish the last 60 to 90 days. Uh, most of the time only around 60, mm-hmm. uh, which is the last three months of that cow's life, which means he's been on grass for over 15 months of his life. Mm-hmm. In the last three months, he comes he comes to eating feed while still remain on grass on our pasture. So they never go into a feedlot situation mm-hmm. and they never leave pasture. Um, even during that time, they still have access to grass, which is key for a cow to have. Mm-hmm. Um, if, a, if they're being grain fed 200 plus days, 300 plus days, mm-hmm. that means that that cow has been on feed or in a feedlot situation mm-hmm. ever since it was weaned off of milk. Mm-hmm. So that to me is something we have to be, you know, super cautious is what we pay into pay attention to as well as how many days and or months that cow is being grain finished as well. Cause it can, you know, direly affect the situation in which that cow is being raised in and right. what kind of access the pasture is being in and, it's not necessary uh, for a cow to be on grain that long. So again, that's your, your choice as a consumer, but if that's what you're looking for, those are some specific things I think you need to pay attention to. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Will you clarify just what, what it means to be grass fed grain finished? Like what does grain finished mean? What is grain? I mean, I know what it is, but will you clarify that? Yeah, Um, absolutely. So True grass-fed grain finish means um, to me that the cow has been raised on grass its whole life. Um, and then for a small amount of time, which of course for us is 60, 90 days, um, they are raised on grain. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, when you're buying meat from the grocery store, those labels, those kinds of things, mm-hmm. um, it is misconstrued of what you may be buying because as long as a cow has hay in a feedlot, Mm-hmm. Um, it can be considered grass fed. So gotcha. unless you know, that's why it also is important for us to know your farmer. Um, mm-hmm. That way you can ask those kinds of questions because you can't contact a farmer at somewhere you're just buying your meat from that right. is just in a store somewhere. Right. Um, so you can't actually get the specific answers that you need there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that is what true to me, grass fed grain finish means. Um, and what it should mean. Sadly, it doesn't most of the time, but that's what it should mean. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and grains most of the time consist of, uh, usually about an oat has oats in it, corn, and, Mm -hmm. uh, can have like barley or something like that. And it's usually around a three mixture. Now we don't, we personally don't finish our cows strictly on corn. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't feed them strictly corn. Um, I know that 
most feedlot operations strictly feed corn A because it's super cheap mm-hmm. um, and a little more easy acceptable, uh, you know, easier to find. So right. it's an easy source to have and there's constantly farmers growing it. So I'm sure they have, you know, deals or whatever where they can get that freely and it's easier and it makes them fatter quicker. Right. So we our our portion of corn in there is very, very minimal. It's mm-hmm. out of it's out of it. We do a three grain ration. So the oats in there and the barley as well. Mm-hmm. Um, are a good mix and it helps provide the proper proteins and proper nutrition plan that the cows need as well. Um, we do have a tat- touch of molasses in there. That way it does give the cows a little sweet flavor because they do like the sweetness of it. Yeah. Um, what, what is the benefit of the, the 60 day grain finish? Yeah. So, uh, the benefit of a shorter time, mm-hmm. um, is if a cow is on grain for a long period of time, um, you're going to deal a lot with the cow possibly getting sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're probably going to have to be pumping in antibiotics into that cow at some point, um, just because it's being on grain for so long, because it's not, it's not healthy for a cow to be on grain for a long time. Mm-hmm. So that alone affects, uh, the overall condition of the cow, um, and how its organs are functioning and how it's everything is working and the cow is affected by eating grain for such a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So that alone keeps our cows healthier uh, because we're not pumping grain into their bodies for a long amounts of time. And it's not their only feed source. Um, mm-hmm. When you give a cow, it's only feed sources grain over time, it will develop E. coli in its body without grass. Right. Um, so that is another thing as well is to me, just a clear picture of showing that, okay, this cow doesn't need grain mm-hmm. or can't survive on grain alone or else it's not good for it. So that is why having pasture mixed in with the grain still keeps the cow eating its natural source that it needs um, in its body. Right. Um, and of course, having the grass fed and grass finished um, cows, you get a lot healthier fat content in your beef. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to get a lot more vitamins and minerals um, from it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, the meat quality and nutritional value alone that is actually going into your body Mm -hmm. um, is not cut down by a percentage. So, you know, if a cow's on grain for a super long time, you're slowly losing nutrients. That's actually in the beef that we actually should be getting from our beef. Oh, wow. Um, So we actually lose those nutrients that we need in the beef once, because it's been fed grain for so long that the grass actually helps build up those things that actually make them the beef actually taste how it should and you know give us a nutritional value that we need so absolutely so you talked about e coli and i think yes. you told me uh when you were here um delivering my beef well tell me what you told me about e coli about what how they anyway just yeah. you talk about it <laughs> yeah absolutely so um i actually had, uh discovered this um and so also, I'll talk about this as well because it kind of goes hand in hand mm-hmm. to me. Um, when, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, so when a cow uh, processing facility, mostly commercial ones, there's around 400 cows being processed through there at one time or in a day they process around 400 cows. Mm-hmm. Um, so in your ground beef mixture alone, you're going to look anywhere between usually 400 cows, 400 different types of cows ground meat is in oh. your ground beef. Oh, wow. Um, so 
you're not just getting one cow or two cows that could be ground up, but they are grinding it all into one big mixture. Oh, wow. So you'll have over 400 different cows into your ground beef. Um, so it affects the quality alone right there. Yeah. But the E. coli happens in our beef um, that's being commercially raised, or if it's being raised on a feedlot only, it doesn't matter if it's commercial or not. If you're mm-hmm. raising beef only on a feedlot without giving your cow access to grass, over time, for a long period of time, if the cow is on grain, mm-hmm. uh, they will develop E. coli in their system. Mm-hmm. It's because their body requires and needs grass. Um, mm-hmm. Now, this can be fixed, and this all stems back from years and years ago when we had a big E. coli breakout. I was probably really little when it happened. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the date, but it was a long time ago. Um, and people were getting sick from it and dying. Um, so that was happening because we had shifted to a point as a country of raising our beef with no grass. Mm-hmm. And over time, the cows developed E. coli. Now, if you feed a cow grass for five days straight, any trace of E. coli is killed in the cow's body. Oh, wow. So it immediately removes it in only five days just by feeding it grass. Wow. But instead of uh, the industry actually providing the cow's grass, they actually had scientists come up with an ammonia formula, um, which is like an ammonia mixture that they created to stick Mm -hmm. into the ground beef, to grind it in there with it so that it kills the E. coli um, in the ground beef. So it was really in there, but at the same time, the ammonia mixture that they put into the ground beef kills the E. coli. So it just, I mean, it was easily solved with grass, but instead we put some type of scientific oh function. Now you're not just eating ground beef, but you're eating <clears throat> some type of scientifically created formula mm. now inside of your ground beef to make it so it doesn't affect you with E. coli that's in beef. That's crazy and disgusting all at the, yes. all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and <sighs> if, if anybody's ever had farm fresh ground beef alone, mm-hmm. if you just try that and then mm-hmm. try some from the store again, mm-hmm. um, you will find such a massive taste difference <laughs> in that. Yep. And to me, that alone um, <clears throat> will tell you, okay, there's definitely, you know, some, some stuff going on with our ground beef that shouldn't be. Um, right. Yeah. It you know and you and I spent I don't remember how long we talked but just the industry the food industry beef industry it's it's amazing to me uh, and and well it's not amazing why we're so sick because of of all of what is being done to produce food and it's very sad as well um, so in your in your on your farm you're you're doing beef. Do you do you care which one? Do you like beef or chicken or the the pigs? Do you care which one you farm or the you love them all the same? Uh, I definitely we love raising them all. Um, yeah, my main enterprises that I actually I would say am over um, as far as like the animals I actually fully raise uh-huh. um, by myself um, is I raise our our, our beef or our cattle. Uh-huh. Um, I raise our meat birds and okay. I raise our turkeys and lambs. Um, okay. So okay. we have some of my brothers are over. One of my brothers is over the pigs. Uh, one of my brothers is over ducks. One of my brothers is over um, our layering lane chickens. Yeah. Um, so they we each have our own enterprises that we we fall into, and mm-hmm. I think really what we kind of love at the same time. Um, so we love them all, and we all hand you know help each other where yeah. where need be in all those areas. Right. Um, 
But if I had to choose an animal that I do love mm-hmm. more than any other, it would probably definitely be cows. Yeah. Um, I just like working with cattle in general. Um, Very nice. Even though they can be uh, difficult at times. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I do <laughs> like them, but it's, all animals can be difficult if they don't want to behave or listen to you. So <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. I remember my mom telling a story when she was growing up. She grew up on in Idaho um, and her, her dad had a few acres and they had a, I think they had a milk cow. Well, I am just so appreciative of take you taking the time to, to talk with me. And uh, I just, it's, I think it's wonderful that I have you as a resource in general where you can update me or teach me, educate me about, and, and obviously the listeners here today about what's going on in the, the beef industry in this case. Um, and I'm just appreciative of that. Can you share with, um, with me and with the listeners where they can find you? Uh, I know you have a YouTube channel, uh, website, those types of things. Oh, yes, ma'am. Absolutely. So uh, we have a website, which is Our Tribal Acres. And it's O-U-R-T-R-I-B-A-L.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Tribal Acres. Um, you can follow our food truck Instagram at uh, oh. Open Pastures by Tribal Acres. Okay. Um, and our Facebook page is also Tribal Acres as well. And then we have an Open Pastures page on there. Um, you can also go on to YouTube at Tribal Acres. And we have all different types of videos, especially if you are a, a homesteader or farmer. Mm-hmm or rancher, you name it. Uh, Mm -hmm. We post a lot of videos on there on how to build certain structures, how to take care of animals. Um, We do births on there, um, how to, you know, process certain animals that we do as far as poultry, all those kinds of things, anything you want to know, even our practices we have on there. So we, I'm on there a lot explaining why we raise our animals this way. We show those areas out. um, So you can actually see, how your animals, if you're buying them from us, how the mm-hmm. meat that you're getting is being raised. Um, so you can check us out out there as well as at Tribal Acres. Um, yeah. Wonderful. And just, uh, uh, he has a lot of um, places to go and find him, but everything will be in the show notes. So you guys um, who are listening, you can just, you know, click on the link for the podcast and, and find out all his website, Instagram, all the things like that. So Well, Brandon, thank you so much um, for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. And like I said, I think you're doing a fantastic job and I'm really grateful that that we're friends. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Wendy. I appreciate you having me on. It was a pleasure and I appreciate your business as a customer and a friend. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to Joyfully Prepared. I'm grateful for you and appreciate you inviting me into your life. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about this delightful podcast. Leaving a joyful review would earn you all sorts of karma points too. I invite you to join my free Facebook group at www.joyfulprepgroup.com and join with other like-minded mothers.